Now, in my experience, growth usually comes from a source of pain or discomfort, which pushes you to try something new or interrupt an old behavior simply because you come to realize that the pain of remaining the same, of remaining who you are and where you are, is far greater than the discomfort it's going to take for you to change and try something new. My intention for this show is to inspire growth within you. So if you want to familiarize yourself with the journey many have taken to drastically change their lives, this is the place to be. Hello and welcome to this edition of the Grow With Moin podcast. I am your host, Moin Zephyr, and today I have with me a very unique guest. His name is Parker Kane. I've actually never had someone like Parker on my show before. This is going to be quite interesting. Parker... Um, went viral over three years ago and uh, he's called Mr. McDubstep according to some uh, commenters on his videos. His video that went viral has received over a billion views now on the internet. Parker is not just a beatboxer, he's a musician, he's a speaker and the host of the Upbeat podcast. Parker has also been uh, on TV shows like America's Got Talent, The Steve Harvey Show, He's also been featured on different articles like MTV, The Huffington Post, and Daily Mail. Apart from that, Parker also has a really nice message, and he wants to encourage youth to follow their dreams. Parker, welcome to the show. Thank you, Moin. Thanks for the introduction, too. Thank, thanks for having me on your show. It's a pleasure. Of course, man. It's, uh, it's, an, it's an honor to have you on here as well. So let's uh, dive right into this, man. Let's talk about... Um, your viral experience when you went viral on Facebook. Let's talk about the video. Um, what was it? And um, let's talk about beatboxing as well. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, thanks. Um, so, yeah, it was in 2015. It was actually the five-year anniversary just this, just the other day. Just, the, just this uh, October 5th was the day that it went viral in 2015. And oh. we just crossed that day here in 2020. So five years ago, it happened. Uh, For those who haven't seen it, it it was me beatboxing in a McDonald's uh, with a McDonald's cup using the straw to to beatbox into and change the pitch and make different sounds with it. And it ended up sounding a little bit uh, similar to dubstep. And so, yeah, like you said in the intro, a lot of commenters uh, were commenting, oh, we should rename this video McDubstep. And so I changed changed the name of the video to McDubstep uh, per commenter's request, which was kind of fun. Um, totally unexpected for it to go viral, man. I was just being myself. I was beatboxing. I was goofing off in a McDonald's like I've done plenty of other times. And this time, one of the videos just took off and uh, it ended up crossing over a billion views on Facebook specifically because everybody was sharing it and it was seen so many times um, and shared so many times. Uh, and then, yeah, from that, the opportunities just started opening up for me and I got to go on some TV shows, got to be featured on some shows, at least have the video played on some shows, got to start beatboxing and speaking at different like events for for businesses and colleges and stuff like that. And it's just been an amazing journey. But uh, I will say we could dive into this a little more too. But 
it's not also as flattering as some people would would think. I know a lot of people really aspire to have a viral video, uh, and there's a few myths that we could that we could bust about it that <laughs> that are true and aren't true. So, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, let's try to unpack uh, your story here now. So, let's first talk talk about beatboxing. Um, how did you first get into it, and uh, why do you do it? Ooh, good question. Um, I started when I was nine years old. So, mm-hmm. however, do the math. I'm 27. That was a while <laughs> back. Um, it was. I mean, I grew up here in the U.S. and we were really into in sync at the time, a boy band. And so, uh, my family they were all singing along to in sync songs. Uh, my mom, my dad, and my sister. And every time that I would try to chime in with singing, it didn't really contribute because <laughs> I was really bad at it. <laughs> And so every time I jumped in to sing and be a part of it, while I loved music, I wasn't a good singer at the time. And so my family was like, oh, you got to find something else, find some other way to contribute (laughs) because you're throwing us off our groove here. And so anyway, one of the concerts we watched, Justin Timberlake uh, didn't sing in one of the parts. He beatboxed. Mm. That was my very first time ever seeing beatboxing. And I was just like, well, let me give that a try. You know, like, let me see if I can fit in that way. And even my mom was just like, hey, Park, like, look at this. Like, maybe you could do this. Maybe this is how you're going to pitch in to our little family jam sessions here. And so I started copying Justin Timberlake as a nine-year-old. And I was decent, decent at it, you know, and I obviously wasn't like amazing, but I took it to practice. And I, my mom ended up giving me um, you know, some of their concerts on VHS tape. <laughs> and I would sit there and beatbox along with Justin and then rewind it and then beatbox with Justin until I could do everything that he was doing. And it didn't really stop there. I just, as I continued my passion for music, I wanted to sound like everything that I was hearing. And so I started into the more dubstep type sounds and stuff, which I don't think are things, I'm, I might be wrong, but I don't think are things that Justin Timberlake does. Um, so I went on to go to go really pursue this beatbox path purely because I love it. Um, and it, there's part of me that wanted to prove people wrong too. You know, there's so many people that were like, you could never make money beatboxing. And I was like, inherently, I was just like, oh, I'll show you, like, I'll go do it, you know? And so that viral video happening was kind of one of the one of the big payoff moments <laughs> where I was like, oh, shoot, like I can do this. Like at a time where I was doubting myself, something like that happened. Yeah, I, I love that story, man. And I want to highlight that even though the viral video is is a moment, but you had been practicing this beatboxing skill, like you said, since you were nine and the viral video, you can say it's sort of an accumulation of, of that many years of dedication and practice as well. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. So congratulations on that. So um, after you went viral, like when you first found out, talk about what happened in the months or weeks that followed. How, how did you sort of uh, build momentum from that and, uh, you know, sustain that momentum? Because you've, uh, this was five years ago now and you're still doing this. So talk, talk a bit about that and the challenges, the opportunities. Yeah, there's a few, I think, lessons that can come from it. But I guess just chronologically, the very first thing that I think I did was say yes to everything. Because 
my inbox on Facebook, on Instagram, on YouTube, on my email, it was just filling up with people who wanted to either collaborate or have me come speak at events, which I thought that's another story in and of itself. I thought that was kind of weird because I like in the video, I didn't speak at all. Like I just beatboxed for like 20 <laughs> seconds in a silly way with a McDonald's cup. Um, and all of a sudden they like wanted me to come speak at these events and stuff and be a keynote speaker. And so anyway, I got all these inquiries in my inbox and I was like, just saying yes to everything. I was saying yes to absolutely everything I could that like for a good two years, I was, I was really, really busy just saying, just taking up all of those opportunities and every single opportunity led to more opportunities. There's always more people I would meet um, there's always new things that I would learn. Uh, and so it was really, really good just to just say yes to everything and, and learn from more opportunities and ultimately find even more opportunities. Um, but after that, I would say, you know, it's, it's important to, to pivot too. You don't want to like, this is one of the, the myths or one of the, maybe the cons of going viral, mm -hmm. but you get kind of pigeonholed into one thing. And I do a lot of things and I'm passionate about a lot of things. And all of a sudden I was the McDonald's beatboxer and I was nothing else. And there was a lot of times where people didn't even know my name and didn't care to know my name, didn't want to talk or have a conversation or work out anything. It was just hold up their Snapchat. Hey, beatbox for us, McDonald's beatboxer, you know, and then they moved on with their lives and I moved on with mine. And so it, like I got kind of pigeonholed into this McDonald's beatboxer category when all along I kind of discovered that I had this passion for helping other people do their passions, you know, and like, I love, like, I love sharing my story with other people to hopefully encourage them to do something similar with their lives, not necessarily beatboxing, but if people think your passion's kind of weird, it doesn't mean you should just shove it under your bed and never do anything with it. Like you should, you should, pursue the things that you're passionate about. So that kind of led me, that that message and my speaking gigs kind of led me into this motivational realm. And then I started my podcast. And so now I actually don't do as much beatboxing everywhere, um, especially with these coronavirus times and everything being closed and all that. But um, thankfully, I have this podcast, uh, Upbeat with Parker Kane, where I get to share my message and beatbox and do whatever I want to just on my podcast, which is awesome. So not as much beatboxing five years later, but I've pivoted into more of a motivational and like podcasting realm. Yeah. The pigeonholing thing is an important aspect of the story because I think a lot of people do get pigeonholed, even if they don't get vir uh, viral. We we mm -hmm. We live in a culture where a lot of people master in like very minute things. And so that's all they are. And so I like the message here and it's really important. And it's really powerful, especially for, for the youth as well, that you're not just one thing, you're more than that. And I think you, you prove that too, with what you do, right? You, you took those TEDx talks and you went in and, and spoke there. You're a musician as well. I've heard um, a couple of, I saw a couple of your videos on Instagram and man, you have a really good voice too. So I don't know what, is your family still 
uh, <laughs> not letting you do singing with them or are they okay with it now? <laughs> uh, they're totally cool with it now. It's really funny. I was bad at singing probably until I was 21, 21 or 22, mm. uh, mainly because I never practiced it. I mean, I got so hooked to beatboxing that that was pretty much all I focused on. And then like in high school, I did band and I learned, learned a bunch of instruments like saxophone and French horn and the drums. And so doing like, I just never paid attention to singing because like I had this thought planted in my head that I am not a singer. I'm not a good singer. I'm never going to be a good singer. I had to find something new, uh, which I found something new and ended up being way better in my opinion. And I love it. Uh, but when I was 21, 22, I was just like, oh, like, I'm not living at home. I'm at college. I have a guitar. I'm going to try to teach myself guitar and I'm going to try to teach myself to sing. And actually my favorite band of all time, One Republic, mm. um, I literally just did my best to learn their songs on guitar and to match pitch with Ryan Tedder, their lead singer. And literally in six months ish like I knew how to play guitar pretty well and I was a singer now <laughs> and uh, then I started making music videos where I wasn't just the beatboxer I was also singing and people were kind of flabbergasted you know they're like oh my gosh like you can sing like that like how come you've never done this before and I was like I just learned <laughs> that's why that's amazing man and so I want to talk more about now the the opportunities that lined up for you and talk about uh let's say i don't know three four years back when things were piling up who i'm sure you had to change and grow uh, along with all the opportunities that were coming along so what, what would you say was your biggest challenge in trying to keep up with everything did you have to change or tweak who you are or grow in any way was there any sort of support that you used to help you maintain um you know this this new level that you were entering into, like, what was, what was that? Great question. Um, in regard to like physical health, I definitely wouldn't say I'm someone to, to provide any advice because <laughs> I did not live the healthiest. I was eating out all the time and like, I'm a, I'm a chubby dude. I need to start focusing on that. But in every other way, um, I think, I think the most important thing I had to learn was, was balance and not necessarily in the sense of just like scheduling things right, but mainly balancing the people in my life properly. Mm. Um, it, it, at the time I was in college, I was a full-time college student. And this is a part of me that, know, that very few people know, but I was actually a CNA for work, which is a certified nursing assistant. Mm. And so I was full, like full part-time to full-time, depending on the month. Um, working as a CNA in, a, in an old folks home, going to college full-time with 16 credits and having this viral video happen mm -hmm. and me traveling the country and going to these speaking gigs and stuff like that. So there was a lot going on. Uh, and so my schedule was crazy, but I just made sure that I allotted time specifically for phone calls. I mean, FaceTime and Zoom and all that wasn't as big as it is now, but... Mm -hmm. Uh, I would have phone calls with my best friends, with my mom, with my sister, uh, with my grandparents. And I would also like whenever I was at school, like I'd try to get my homework done as fast as I could so I could hang out with my friends while I was there. 
but the, where I want to pivot with this one, balancing people, I had to learn to introduce people all the time because in my town where I was at, everybody knew me now because of that video. And I couldn't go anywhere, literally anywhere without people being like, oh my gosh, like you're the guy, you're the guy, you're the guy. And it was such, I mean, it's a small college town, but people even knew like for, I had to move apartments because people knew what what apartment I was in. And I had people just like constantly coming over wanting to meet me. It was really, really crazy. Um, And sometimes like there was so much of a spotlight on me that like my friends and family felt invisible, felt Mm -hmm. completely insignificant felt like I didn't care about them anymore and that I just wanted all this attention or that people didn't care about them and they just wanted to focus on me. And so I had to learn really like quickly because I, I love my friends and family, you know, like I had to learn really quickly to just include them in everything I did. Like when people came up to me and asked for a picture, I'm like, oh, hey, meet my friend, meet my sister, meet my roommate. Like these are these are the, the people I'm around, you know, like we're we're all close. We're all normal people, you know, um, which is another another uh, challenge. You asked about challenges. And this is one of the things I alluded to in the beginning too. And I said, there's a few myths. Um, People think that when you go viral, your life just changes and that you are a completely different person. You're rich now. You live in Los Angeles in some super nice house. It's like, no, 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 no. My life didn't change at all. I was still a college student. I was still eating ramen with my roommates. I was still broke. Like the only thing that changed is I was as busier and like more people knew me. Mm. That was that was pretty much the only thing that changed. And so I had to live with this kind of stigma of people thinking I'm something else and me having to prove to them like, no, I'm a normal dude. Come over for a game night. We'll have dinner. We'll talk. You can meet my family and my friends. Like I'm not just some like celebrity now, you know? Yeah, that makes sense. And it's, um, it's kind of funny because I I saw a post by Dr. Mark Hyman and he was posting about mental health. And he, and he uh, quoted uh, that even when you are surrounded by people, you can still feel lonely because of the quality of the people that are around you. And, and I think you kind of touched on that because uh, you mentioned your family and your friends and you talked to them at every opportunity you got because you were with them, even though you were with people most of the time, but it was the quality of the experiences that mattered to you as well, right? Yeah. Well, and just different objectives, you know, like at the events that I'm at, I'm very stoked to be there because it's a bunch of like-minded people who are entrepreneurial and starting podcasts and getting stuff done, launching businesses. Um, I love being around those kinds of people and networking and booking collaborations and and podcast uh, appearances like this, interviews like this. Um, But that is such a different, like, I mean, that's so so different than like having a dinner with your friends or something, you know? So it just, it does get lonely. Like if, and I'll say this too, um, I, at the time I had a girlfriend too for like three or four months. And that was really interesting too. Cause I was just like, I was always like flying somewhere or driving somewhere long trips. I was like by myself and I was like, this kind of sucks. Like, (laughs) like, but I could see how it would be maybe like a dream world if like in the future, if I was married and like, I got to do that with my wife 
And like, we could just travel the world and go do things like that. Like that would be fun. But at the time I was by myself. And so I'm like, what the heck? Like, I don't know anyone in this airport. Like, I'd love to go back to my college now, you know? Yeah, I, I hear you with that. If there's something that you really want to do and you don't have a conversation about it with someone who's actually done it, it's going to be a very difficult path. And that's something that I've learned through my experiences, you know, of writing a best-selling book, of starting and failing at a business, of starting this podcast and learning how to interview and be interviewed on other podcasts. And so I want to tell you that I had help. I had a lot of help to get to where I am today. And I want to offer that back to you. Everything that I've learned through my experiences, hundreds of hours of personal development and having something in mind and actually going out and doing it, I want to offer that back to you. So if there's something that you really want to do and you think I can help you out with that, reach out to me and book this 30-minute call. It's absolutely free. There's no commitment and I'm not going to sell you anything here. All I'm doing is seeing if there's any way I can add as much value to your life as I can. So if you're interested in that, click that link and let's start talking about your dreams. And so um, I want to talk about your your speaking gigs because that's something that you weren't really prepared for or you didn't practice that. It was beatboxing that made you popular and then all of a sudden you were getting these speaking gigs. So talk about your first uh, your first ever speech. How did you prepare, prepare for that? how nervous you were on stage. What was it like? I'm very lucky because my first talks and even speeches today uh, are usually about my story of going viral and like how I went from like this small town Idaho kid to beatboxing in a McDonald's commercial and then being like on a TEDx stage and stuff. Like a lot of the times it's just explaining my story to people. And so getting started, it, it, I was very lucky because I could just, you know, tell my story and not feel nervous because I'm not trying to like remember lines or something, you know, or like remember what slide is up next. Like I was just sharing my story. So it wasn't super difficult in the sense that I, like, I mean, I was nervous, but I'd been on stage a lot because of music and beatboxing. So I was used to being on stage. And then when it came to speaking, I was I was already, I guess, prepared to share my story with people and just not hold anything back. Um, however, there's been like a refining process, you know, like there have been some times even recently where I've had to talk about things that I'm not as much familiar with. Um, like I'm familiar, but like I haven't had five years of experience talking about that thing. And so I'm really building structure of how I want to, how I want to portray these messages uh, the best and most effective way, like make my story part of it, like at the beginning and then transition to like the main message and like the main takeaways. That has been a transition because I want to make sure I deliver the most quality thing ever when I'm, when I'm performing somewhere or speaking somewhere um, but it's definitely a refining process. And in those situations, I'm much more nervous too. And so I'm trying to work on, on my nerves when I, when I speak about things other than my story. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. And I completely didn't connect the dots there because you did perform on stage as a beatboxer. And so speaking was another branch, but you still had that experience of being in front of people. So that's cool. So 
you know, being here now and, you know, four or five years later, I wanted to ask you if um, you would do anything differently. Was there, was there something that didn't go according to plan or as you, as you imagined? And would you have done things differently, if anything, at all? <laughs> um, well, there's one that I, like, I don't know if I really mean it. <laughs> but, I, but I say it all the time as a joke with, like, my friends and family. Part of me means it, part of me doesn't. But like I said, I, I was a CNA and working. Uh, I was studying nursing in college. And when this happened, I switched majors to communication to to study like social media marketing and advertising and that kind of stuff. Mm. And in that like two years of finishing up school, it just went like this, mm. <laughs> you know, like all the money I had, boom, all the time I had, boom, like any like anything that I was kind of. I mean, who knows? You can't say like what would have happened, but I was getting offered a lot of opportunities. Um, and some of them would have moved me away from my college town. And I would have gone to like Orlando or Los Angeles or Austin, Texas or Nashville, Tennessee. And I had still in Idaho. Yeah, I'm still in Idaho. I'm, I moved recently to Boise, Idaho though. So much bigger than the, the college town I was in, but, um, I, I got offered a lot of opportunities basically that would have taken me somewhere else. And at the time I chose, I'm going to finish out school. I'm going to get my degree. I've always wanted to get my degree. Um, afterwards, I'll kind of pick things back up. <laughs> and uh, it's been really hard. I mean, I have the degree and that hasn't really done anything for me. And I feel like I wasted like two years and like more money and more time. And I didn't learn anything new. And I just think maybe I should have take, taken those opportunities when I had the chance rather than choose to go back to school. Oh, that's interesting. I was going to, cause I was going to follow up and ask you how important do you think it is to stay centered in a way? Because like you said, there's a lot going on and it's easy to get lost in all of that, but you chose to, you know, stay in your town, complete your degree. When I think about that, I, 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 I think that's something that's, that can keep you centered or anchored and you can't get too lost. But you're saying that you would rather <laughs> have gone with all the opportunities instead. When you're telling the story, I think of it as, well, wow, that kept him really centered and possibly even got you, you know, here five years later. Yeah, true. And that's the thing is who knows what would have happened. Mm -hmm. uh, but I do feel like in that moment I made some gut decisions that I, that I feel were right, you know, and um, not to get too like gross on your podcast here, but uh, CNAs have a very dirty job of taking care of people, you know, and they see very gross things and do very gross things <laughs> every day at work, you know? And so it was very challenging mentally, like mindset wise, like one second I'm on stage beatboxing opening for the shark tank guy, Damon John, Literally the next day, I am taking some old lady to the bathroom, right? <laughs> Quite and, contrasting. <laughs> yeah, it was. And that's the thing is that like, to your point, like, I think I had a lot going for me in my college town that really kept me grounded, you know, like, I didn't just jump off the cliff into 
speaking land. Like I was kind of riding two pathways at the same time. Mm. I think that's really good. And I want to talk about now about another branch that you created and that's your podcast. So you started that in 2018. Is that correct? Um, yeah, I was, I, I technically launched launch date, uh, January, 2019. January 2019. Um, but I, my first episodes were up in November, 2018. Yeah. I went, I went and checked out your first episode. I think it's about four or five minutes because mm-hmm. I wanted to get a feel of why you started the podcast. And I think in that very first episode, you, you share four reasons why, but, um, I want, uh, I think this is, it's been a couple of years later now. So can you, can you tell us a bit more about why you actually started a podcast? Yeah. Uh, it's really interesting. Um, again, I was in college, finishing up college and I had a lot of professors uh, you know, I don't even think I shared this in that first episode and I probably should have, should have, but, um, I had a lot of professors who they would compare us students to success stories in like Hollywood <laughs> or like celebrity success stories. So they would try to encourage us to, to really double down and work hard and become something great because Eminem did it. Michael Jordan did it. JK Rowling did it, you know? Uh, those success stories, which I love those stories. They inspire me, you know, coming from nothing, becoming one of the best rappers in the world, if not the best rapper in the world, being the best or most iconic, like basketball player in the world or author in the world. I love those stories. But when they would say those things in class, like I'd look around and everybody in the class was just like forehead on the table, you know, like not listening, checking out. And I'd, I'd ask them, I'd ask my friends, like, what does this mean? Like, what do you think about this when, when our professor says this? And the answers I always got were, well, I'm never going to be Michael Jordan. If I wanted to start my, if I want to start basketball right now, no matter how hard I work, I would never be Michael Jordan. I would never be Eminem. I would never be JK Rowling. And I think there's just this this light that came to me at that time where I was like, it, this is more of a blanket statement, like I'm covering the entire world here. But I'm just like, I think generally people like look to celebrities and like people in the public eye as success stories. And if you're not that, then you're just not successful and you're not anything. And so I know that's not true. And I wanted to start something. And at the time, I didn't know it was a podcast, but I wanted to start something that highlighted success stories of everyday people, people who are your neighbors who are making $300,000 in their basement, like selling stuff on Amazon. Or there's my one of the girls in my podcast, I think it's my, my fifth episode. She designs color, color books. And she kills it like she her whole living her whole family's living her husband doesn't have to work anymore like her whole family's living is her like building coloring books and selling them to people online uh and entrepreneurs people starting their own businesses like there's people out there who are are millionaires who are success stories who live a life doing exactly what they want to when they want to with who they want to and they're not celebrities. They're not people that you see on Instagram all the time. 
And so I, my original goal was to find people like that and highlight those, highlight their stories. Uh, now, if I got the chance to interview celebrities, I'd be totally game for that. Um, I just think I'd stick to more of like, like who they were before they were famous and like how they got to where they are today kind of a thing. Um, but that was one of the main reasons. Another reason is I also had a pretty big surgery before I started my podcast and going into the surgery, they told me that I literally might not be able to beatbox or sing at the same level that I was like, I wouldn't be able to get it all the way back to where I was. Um, and I knew I'd have like a three month recovery and I'd be out of the speaking game for a while. And so I was just like, well, what could, what's something I could do that's like speaking, but I don't have to leave. <laughs> it's like podcasting. I could podcast from anywhere I want to and do the same thing that I would do on stage, you know? Um, so that was a, another thing that led to the podcast. Uh, as far as the name of the podcast, Upbeat. I just wanted that to be kind of some wordplay with beatboxing and music and being optimistic and cheerful and, uh, you know, being excited to pursue the things that make us upbeat and happy and the things that we're passionate about, you know. So ultimately, those are all the reasons why I started the podcast. Um, And my hope with the podcast is that it reaches people and inspires them to at least at the very least, make some time for the things that they enjoy doing, make some time for the things that make them upbeat. Uh, Because I know it's not, it's not just the situation for everyone where they can quit their job and go do what they love just like that. Right. Um, But even if you're busy, you can still make time for it. Yeah, I absolutely love that message and and that why you have. And it kind of reminds me of why I started a podcast and, and why I do some of the things that I do. And it's it's the same reason people think that, you know, someone who's done something is on a different level, which they might be, but it doesn't mean that they're so far off that you can't even think about doing that yourself. And I I looked at myself and I still do as, you know, like a a regular person. And that was one of my main motivations of of writing a book. It's like, if people can see that I can write a book, then anyone can do it. And that was was the main intention behind it. So I absolutely love uh, your why why power. It's uh, it's powerful and and, and inspiring at the same time. Um, Thanks, man. Yeah, you're welcome, man. And thank you for doing this, man. This is, you're, you're doing great work here. And um, so we talked about why you started the podcast and uh, pretty much you, you went on um, how as well, because you could do it from anywhere after your surgery, which was a big deal. How, how are you now? Are you able to beatbox? Are you able to sing? How are things? Yeah, yeah, I can do it. Just not for like extended periods of time. Like I used to beatbox all the time and now I kind of, you know, keep some green tea close and uh, mm. prep for like a performance or something where I could, like I could throw something down right now. I'd love to for you and your podcasts, like at the end of this, but um, yeah, I can do it. Just, I can't go on and on and on. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, man. So um, I want to, I want you to, because you have the experience here of going viral and I know a lot of people want to go viral and for a lot of them who, who do is it's just a moment in time and then it's gone. 
but you've somehow managed to sustain it and build from it and build a brand from it. So what's, what's your biggest uh, takeaway on sort of sustaining that momentum and, and building a brand from, from a wire video? Like what's your biggest lesson? What would you like to share to someone who, who wants to go in that direction? What would you say to them? Mm. Well, I would actually say, I mean, the aspiration to go viral or the goal to go viral. Um, I mean, it's a good one. Like there's nothing wrong with it, but I think the advice I'd give is to focus on what you do have and to make it the best that you can and be as consistent as you can, which is one of the things I struggle with is I, I'm a perfectionist. So I get focused on the quality and then I end up not posting anything. So I need to get better at that. But, you know, make it the best you can be as consistent as you can and focus the most on building a community around what you do, even if it's 50 people, even if it's 300 people, or, you know, I'm sure you and your listeners have heard of the thousand true fans rule, you know, just find a thousand people that are true loyal fans of yours that are going to buy your merch, that are going to watch every single piece of content you put out there. That is so much more important in my opinion than going viral and getting like a quick, you know, 20 seconds of fame and have it potentially just drop off and nobody cares about it anymore. You know, um, it's fun to go viral. And if you do go viral, like definitely do some things to keep you grounded and balanced and not let it get to your head and, and try to take that and use it as leverage and say yes to everything and try to build something out of it. But uh, the fact is, I mean, going viral, you just can't predict it. So why, why live, uh, you know, I was beatboxing, like you said earlier, I was beatboxing from the age of nine, like well before that video went viral. And I think had the video not gone viral, I'd still probably be beatboxing. You know, I'd still be pursuing the same things that I'm passionate about. Cause I would, it's not like I was planning for the viral video to happen. Right. So I mean, it, it's a it's a good goal. Like, if you really want that to happen, and I think nowadays with TikTok, like you could go viral on TikTok, and it can be more of something that you have a goal to do. But I think there's better, more important goals <laughs> that <laughs> that help you build something without having to go viral. Yeah, yeah, and I think you touched on something extremely important here, which is continue to work on yourself and refining your skills whether or not you're going viral or not. And I think that's absolutely important. Um, so I usually ask for people to give a message from the heart, but it sounds like you, you already said that. <laughs> <laughs> and so um, uh, let's uh, conclude our conversation. I want to thank you so much for, for being on the show. Um, where's uh, one place people can find you and reach out to you? Uh, my website, uh, parkerkane.co, uh, parker, K-A-N-E dot C-O. Uh, and yeah, thank you, Moin, for having me on the show. I appreciate it. For sure, man. Thank you for coming on. And I'll put your, uh, your website um, in the show notes so people can find you easily. And well, the stage is open. If you want to do some beatboxing for myself and the listeners, we'd be happy to hear that from you. Yeah, and just to make sure, it's Moin uh, Zafar or Zafar. Yeah, Moin Zafar. 
Moin Zephyr. Okay. Love it, man. Thank you so much for sharing your talent here. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, man, for having me on. This was fun. All right, beautiful, man. Uh, take care. Have a wonderful day. And uh, I'll let you know when, uh, when this is on. Oh, by the way, um, uh, this is for the audience and you as well. Uh, the episodes are now available on YouTube. So I'm started, I've just started a YouTube channel. So the last five or six episodes have gone up on YouTube. I'm doing video content now. So those of you who are already listening, if you want to put a face to the voice, you can just search for the Grow With Me podcast on YouTube and find us there. Sweet. I'm going to go check it out right now. <laughs> thank you, Parker. Awesome. Have a good day, man. You too. I want to thank each and every one of you for tuning in to this edition of the Grow With Moon podcast. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe to my show so that you don't miss a future episode. Feel free to leave a rating, a comment. If you want to follow me on social media, my Instagram is the Grow With Moon podcast. Once again, thank you and enjoy the rest of your day.